This is the fourth installment of the Caveat Emptor series. This story is told from the perspective of a male. All names have been changed to protect their identity. Caution. This section of the story includes gun violence, sexuality, alcohol, and abusive scenarios. Please skip to part five if any of these subjects are objectionable. Part four, Mr. Pendleton. I'm Tasha Wheelhouse, and this is Copper Shop. They had a terrible time selling this place after all that tragedy. Aren't they supposed to disclose this kind of stuff when you buy a house? The sheriff asked my mom. Well, we don't own it. Yet. We're renting for the first year with an option to buy after 12 months. Renting? <laughs> well, buyer beware, I guess. Mr. Pendleton was a farmer. He built a lot of these rooms himself. Kristen had just divorced him and left him in a terrible way. After that, he started frequenting the nightlife locations downtown. Jim? Another whiskey. Mr. Pendleton tapped the bar counter in front of him. Get on, girl! Mr. Pendleton yelled up at the front of the strip club stage. A sallow woman in her mid-thirties was slowly tilting her hips back and forth while raising her arms above her head. The music in the room pulsed and bumped. The speakers in this bar had blown out in old age and the New Mexico dust. But when the lights come on, the drink goes in, and the ladies of the night come out, a howling street cat could sing a good strip number, if only it had a good bass line to sing along with. Dip it low! Another man shouted from the other side and started to laugh heartily from the bottom of his belly. Mr. Pendleton smiled and kicked back another shot of whiskey. It burned all the way down. A hand traced over his shoulder and rested a slim arm with bright blue painted fingernails. What you doing tonight? Going home, I guess. He said, looking the woman up and down. Her blue fingernails started to play with the back of his neck. Alone? Not if I don't have to. Mr. Pendleton smirked, turning to face her all the way barstool creaking under his weight. She laughed and ran her fingers through her blonde crimped hair. Seventy-five. Mr. Pendleton nodded. Sounds fair, Miss... Brandy? She held out her hand and shook Mr. Pendleton's. All right, then. Mr. Pendleton slapped a $20 bill onto the bar counter. He stood up and followed Brandy out the door. Later in the evening, after activities had come to a close, Brandy had redressed, then grabbed the handle for the exit. Do you do repeat customers? Mr. Pendleton called after her. What exactly did you have in mind? Tuesday night. Come back here. Brandy nodded and left. Mr. Pendleton went out to the back porch to take a smoke. He breathed the cigarette in deeply. 
feeling the warmth and the thickness fill his lungs. He let it hug him from the inside out. Letting his breath go, he watched the smoke as it dissipated into the desert wind. On Tuesday, Brandy returned. Mr. Pendleton smiled, opening the door, looking her up and down. I got something for you tonight, he said. Something new, she smiled. Something borrowed, he said. Brandy followed Mr. Pendleton to his bedroom. He then gestured to his bed. An ugly green dress laid out in care. I want you to wear that tonight. Brandy held it up, pinching it between two fingers. She then looked to Mr. Pendleton. He was dead serious. She shrugged and said, If this nunnery frock gets your motor going, who am I to argue? She pulled the dress over her head, and Mr. Pendleton took a moment, looking her over. The biggest grin rose onto his face. You look like a dream. Brandy did a flirty twirl in her dress, then walked up to Mr. Pendleton. Seventy-five, she smiled. Sounds fair. Wrapping his arms about her waist, he dipped her onto the bed. Over the next week, with each visit from Brandy, Mr. Pendleton had something else he'd add to the now-growing ensemble of the ugly green dress. He bought her a simple silver chain necklace, bobby pins, and a citrus floral scent that he said he liked. Brandy would object lightly at first, but Mr. Pendleton would always push, and she'd give in, figuring he was just specific about his fetish. The fifth visit to the house, Brandy walked into the door and headed straight for the bedroom. She changed into the green dress he favored, pinned her hair up into a bun, latched the silver chain necklace about her neck, and sprayed her bosom with a citrus floral scent. For all the extra duties, he'd agreed to start paying 100 a night. Brandy found that agreeable. Come to the kitchen, dear, Mr. Pendleton called from the other side of the house. Brandy stood up and walked over. She took a moment walking down the hall rather surprised. She'd never been this far into his home before. Mr. Pendleton smiled and beamed, looking her up and down. Please sit for dinner. Dinner? Brandy teased. Don't you think it's about time I owed you dinner? Mr. Pendleton joked, and gestured to the chair at the table. Yes, dear, Brandy recited. That phrase was another one of the requests Mr. Pendleton added to the list recently. The food was normal and Brandy had expected Mr. Pendleton to just follow her to his bedroom and finish the evening as usual. Mr. Pendleton stood up and clicked on a radio sitting on the counter. A soft country ballad throbbed from the small speakers. He turned to face her, holding out his hand. Dance with me. It was not a request. Yes, dear. Brandy was a little annoyed but did as she was asked. He held her about the waist and playfully dipped her. Swaying back and forth, Mr. Pendleton rested his cheek against the side of her head. This is exactly what I've always wanted, dear. 
Mr. Pendleton sighed into her ear. Brandy stiffened a little. Yes, dear, she said through gritted teeth. Tell me you love me. Mr. Pendleton stopped dancing and held her still, gripping her hand and waist tightly. What? Just say the words. I love you, Brandy said flatly. His grip squeezed her hand. Her fingers started to feel numb. She tried to pull away, but his hold was firm. No, you gotta say it better than that, Kristen. His grip tightened over her waist. She began to have difficulty breathing. I love you, she said more forcibly, starting to wiggle. No, say the words the way they're meant to be said, the way you've never said them to me. Mr. Pendleton then took one of his large farmer hands to Brandy's throat, pressing her into a wall. Let me go! You're hurting me! She gasped. No, Kristen, you won't deny me anymore. Brandy! What? Mr. Pendleton pulled her neck forward and thrust her back, banging the back of her head against the wall. Stars filled Brandy's vision for a moment. She started kicking and bucking, desperately grabbing at his hand around her throat. Her eyes wandered to the left. A plastic picture frame hung on the wall. The picture was of Mr. Pendleton standing next to a woman, her hair in a bun. She was wearing a silver chain necklace and an ugly green dress. Brandy now looked down at the green dress, bunching about her neck from the struggle. If Brandy had money to gamble, the ex-wife in that picture wore a citrus floral perfume, too. Brandy let out a breathy scream. Wildly swinging her arms, she felt one of her fingernails catch on something. Mr. Pendleton let go of Brandy. She sunk to the floor, coughing and breathing hysterically. Looking up, Mr. Pendleton was cradling the left side of his face, backing away. She had scratched him, and he was bleeding badly. Brandy saw his eyes soften, as though he'd been snapped back into reality from whatever demon possessed him a moment ago. Brandy continued to choke and gasp, feeling a golf ball bob up and down in her throat. Mr. Pendleton backed to the counter, covering his face with both of his hands, mortified. What have I done? Brandy, oh Brandy, I'm so sorry! Brandy didn't hear the end of that sentence as she stormed out of the front door. Over the next few days, she ignored his calls and avoided his texts. Brandy, I know you did this message. Look, please come see me one last time. I lost my mind. And after when you come see me, you can walk away and never hear me again. All my work. Brandy rolled her eyes looking at her phone. But the idea of being able to be rid of him and settling this was enough. Brandy got in her car and started to make the 30-minute drive from town to his farm. She walked up to the front door and held her hand up for a moment, pausing, wondering if she should just turn back now. She took a deep breath and knocked on the door. Mr. Pendleton opened it. He looked white and thin, sickly as though he had not been feeding or taking care of himself. What? she asked him curtly. His face furrowed 
like he was going to cry. This is what you did to me. Mr. Pendleton reached for something behind the door. Brandy screamed and started to back away. But just as quickly, Mr. Pendleton placed both barrels of his home shotgun in his mouth. An explosion resounded. Most of Mr. Pendleton's head sprayed all over the front hallway as his body fell to the ground in a wet thud. Ma'am, the sheriff's gruff voice stopped the story. Are you feeling all right? Apparently, my mother looked either sick to her stomach or about to pass out. You're saying he did that here? More or less where you're standing, yes. The man was in severe pain. It takes a man who feels he truly has nothing left to live for to bury his horses alive like that and wait to kill himself in front of the last person he thought he cared for. As twisted as it was, he left this house to that woman in his will and she's been trying to get rid of it since. It's a small town, so everyone here knew. You can imagine they had a troublesome time selling it. Once it was finally off the market, people around here figured it could all be let go and forgotten. Well, thank you, officer, for your time and for letting me know. Of course. We've gotten all the bones off your property, so you don't need to think about it anymore. Thank you, officer. My mother closed the front door and called my dad into their bedroom. When the bedroom door closed, that was my chance to slip away unseen. I'd heard everything the sheriff said. To say that my mother was livid is an understatement. The sellers neglected to disclose the history of the house because we were tenants, not owners. They had hoped that after a year of living in the house without knowing the past, it wouldn't matter at that point. I pressed my ear to the air vent connecting the rooms. My mom laid into my dad for not listening to her about all the bad feelings we've had over the last so many months. Exasperated, I could picture my dad throwing his hands up in the air. Fine. I'll start looking for another job. You start looking for somewhere else we can go. I felt comfort, knowing we were going to leave this place. I then went to the den to watch some TV. We would soon learn that whatever was in that house didn't want us to leave. My dad announcing our plans of departure brought about the worst event of my life. An event that pushed my family so far, we left the house in the middle of the night. End of part four, Mr. Pendleton. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was produced by me, Tasha Wheelhouse. If you are loving these episodes, please don't feel shy and go ahead and subscribe. We're available on podcast through iTunes, and we're also available on YouTube. If you have an interest, I recorded the original interview of the person who gave me this story. If you'd like to hear it in his words, please go to coppershock.com, author's additional notes section. Everyone's got a story to tell, and I'm dying to hear yours. There's a submission page on coppershock.com if you'd like to reach out to me and share with me. These adapted stories are copyright of Coppershock. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again.